0: Thank you for downloading the PR Week, PR Week's weekly podcast. For more podcasts as well as breaking news, visit PRWeek.com. Thank you for downloading the PR Week, PR Week's weekly podcast. For more podcasts as well as breaking news, visit PRWeek.com.
1: Hello and welcome to the PR Week, PR Week's regular weekly roundup of everything that matters in the worlds of PR and communications. My name's Steve Barrett. I'm the editorial director at PR Week. going to guide you gently through another show. And we have got a very special guest today. We have our power list out this week, and we have the number one from our 2021 power list, our PR pro of the last 20 years when we uh, gave that out a couple of years ago. So it's Sally Sussman, who's EVP and Chief Corporate Affairs Officer at Pfizer. Sally, welcome to the show.
2: Oh, thank you, Steve. I am so happy to be here, and it's a very, very special day for me to be at the top of such a... Prestigious list of friends and colleagues I admire. So I'm just thrilled to to be with you today.
1: Yeah, it's our pleasure, and um, it's we couldn't really think of a more relevant company, and uh, we'll get into it. Be hanging out with the president and the G7 now, world leaders. So you know, th- this is uh, true power in action for the communications profession, which we love to see. <laughs> <laughs> um, and my co-host Frank Washcook, executive editor of PR Week, is here as well.
3: How are you doing, Frank? I'm doing well. i always good to be on and Sally congratulations
2: thanks frank great to see you again
3: you too yeah we'll chat to Sally and then we'll
1: chat about our new website which went live uh last week <clears throat> i hope you've seen it it's uh it's a real step up from our last one and uh, we're very pleased with it. it seems to have gone down well so we'll talk about that the pr week power list of course that uh, came out this week it's the olympics next week so uh English people like me have only just got over the disappointment of the European Soccer Championships on Sunday, but now we're into the next big sporting event, uh, and that's the Olympics, but obviously it's going to be a very different Olympics, no, no crowds, so we'll chat about that. Very sad news from MSL, um, one of their key people passed away over the weekend, um, Brian Peterson, will talk about that. Finn Partners has acquired an agency called Baracus in Seattle, so uh, an interesting ac- uh, deal there, and we wouldn't be the show without a story about some sort of social media and food brand. so craft is launching macaroni and cheese ice cream so we'll find out what that's all about but uh sally let's talk to you first um Been a pretty incredible year, hasn't it, for everyone, but especially at Pfizer. Can you sum it up in a a few short sentences, what the last 16 months has been like?
2: I think Albert Bourla summed it up best when he decided...
1: He's your CEO, yeah?
2: He's the CEO of Pfizer. He's my boss. And um, Albert Bourla set down a crazy goal at the beginning of the pandemic to say we would have a vaccine within eight months. So taking a, a project that usually takes eight to 12 years and doing it in eight months was incredible. Uh, we called it mission possible. And, um, really we all had to go through the pandemic, but I feel very fortunate to have been sort of at the epicenter of this work over these last 18 months, very purposeful, very fulfilling and, and great to be able to get the vaccine.
1: That is Incredible. We do. We have a lot of medical publications at Haymarket and we've been following it very closely. We have this weekly vaccine newsletter as well, which takes content from all our titles. And really, it was unprecedented, wasn't it? And it it seemed like the whole pharma industry kind of pulled together as well. Right. They almost uh, put aside competitive differences and, you know, worked together to get this thing done.
2: I'll tell you, you're right about that. And as a storyteller. I learned something very important about telling stories during the pandemic, and the first thing was that we made our enemy the common enemy of the virus, so you know I worked more closely with m- people like Michael Sneed, who's also on the list from j and j and other leaders, Ray Jordan from other companies pe- people at um academic institutions and the world sort of noticed that we coalesced, we helped one another, we didn't compete against each other and we made the bad guy the virus. And also important, we made the good guy, the hero, the scientist. So we had a corporate ad campaign, Science Will Win. We wear Science Will Win t-shirts and face masks. And the idea in this uh, corporate commercial was not to say Pfizer would win, but that science would win. And, and I think these two things in combination set us off on a unique narrative during this time that really helped to build confidence in who we are and what we're doing and why you can feel good about taking the vaccine.
1: Tell us about some of the messaging challenges, because obviously there's a big group of people who feel nervous about vaccines generally, and a lot of the communication I'm sure was based around trying to get and still is, you know, getting to people who aren't yet vaccinated or who are reluctant to get vaccinated. Tell us a little bit about how you faced that challenge.
2: Sure. Obviously it was something we talked about a ton with, within uh, Pfizer. And even though you were kind enough to give me that award for 20 years, I still learned a lot of new things this year. So for example, we did some research on who were the powerful messengers around building vaccine confidence and, it wasn't so much sports heroes and celebrities, but more the the people next door, the teacher, the preacher, the barber, uh, your your family. And so having family conversations and neighborhood conversations was very, very important. And then to the message itself, beyond the messenger to the message itself, um, I, I never use the phrase anti-vaxxer because I think it's very aggressive and hostile and doesn't help build any bridges. I ask questions. I try to understand why is it someone has fear or is hesitant? Maybe they have a good reason. Maybe they had a bad medical experience. Maybe they have a cynical view towards clinical trials and really tried to unpack what was beneath the hesitancy and then be able to discuss it in civil tones. I think it's really important Um Lots of people are doing great work in this area and ongoing. I really want to tip my hat to the Ad Council who have been building um, vaccine confidence. And the work will continue because until everyone is vaccinated, no one is safe. So we have still a big job ahead of us.
3: Yeah, tell us
1: where you think we're at. booster shot and things like that. You know what? What, what should we be thinking about uh, for the rest of the year?
2: Uh, the good news is here in the U.S., supply exceeds demand. We no longer have a constraint on supply. Uh, we have plenty of vaccines for everyone who needs them. Of course, we're we're working hard uh, alongside the Biden administration and governments around the world to get vaccines to the low and middle income countries that so desperately need them. And that's a a major effort collaborating with the COVAX, the Gates Foundation, governments around the world to make sure, again, that everyone who needs it gets it. Because until we vaccinate eight and a half billion people, no one is safe until everyone is safe. In terms of the questions of the booster, as recently as last evening, the Pfizer team was meeting with the administration, including leaders from FDA and CDC to talk about the booster. You know, we always knew the protection would wane. There was no sense that these incredible levels of protection would exist uh, in perpetuity. And in some of the places where people receive the vaccine earliest, we're we're studying that. We're studying it here in the United States as well. Um, But there is a strong belief that we have That in somewhere, you know, whether it's 8, 10, 12 months out, it will be a good idea for people to get boosters. And we just felt that as a conversation better to have proactively so that people understand and can feel educated and can prepare. So, yes, boosters are in our future.
1: Yeah. Do you see this as being like the flu shot that you'll get an annual uh, COVID shot? Eventually. I do.
2: I do. And um, right now, our COVID vaccine is holding up against all the variants. But, you know, you will need ongoing protection. And so it could very well be an annual shot.
1: And do you think I mean, uh, maybe you don't want to chat about this, but is it do you should you get a booster from the same vaccine you had or is there an advantage in getting a different one or is it is it too, still too early to say on that?
2: This is all being studied, and I believe that the answers are forthcoming, but I dare not step into trying to speak like a scientist or a doctor or um, on this great day when I get to be on your list i don 't want to get in trouble so <laughs> <laughs>
1: let 's listen to the scientists that 's a good message from the last few years so but now you 're like you said earlier you you accompanied Albert. To the G7 summit in Cornwall in England, um, so you're hanging around, hanging out with world leaders now. That that must have been an incredible experience. Talk us through it.
2: I did, and it really, really was a lifetime experience for me. Um, You know, we'd been in conversation with the Biden team about these doses for the needy people. And from what I understand, it was the president's idea himself that he wanted to stand next to Albert and make this announcement of the 500 million doses on the eve of the G7 summit from uh, its location in Cornwall, England. So we we wrapped up these negotiations. Uh, Albert and I hopped on a plane to go over there. And I have to say, I I really tickled myself. It was almost impossible to believe that an incoming president would want to stand next to the head of a big pharma company um, in front of leaders around the world. This frankly would have been unthinkable a couple years ago. And it represents this massive transformation in our reputation that we've experienced from our, uh, our response to pandemic. Going there, it was beautiful. Um, the president, the first lady, uh, Jeff Zines, head of the COVID task force, Anthony Blinken, the secretary of state. We were able to chat with all of them in this bucolic setting uh, in England. And for someone like myself who loves global politics, it was a dream come true to be there that day and really will be a highlight of my life forever. And I'm grateful to Albert for, you know, again, my CEO and boss uh, for realizing the public implications of this vaccine would be intense and therefore including me in the work and the discussion from the beginning
1: yeah it's a lovely part of the world actually so uh, if you ever go to england do check out cornwall there are places outside london (laughs) Um, i'll
2: tell you something funny about that because you know we we were so late in our planning that we couldn't get a, a reservation at any kind of decent business hotel So we stayed in a motel for surfers on the Cornish coast. There you go. (laughs) Hilarious. Taking a step
1: back and thinking about the power list and communications generally, it seems to me that, you know, over the last sixteen months the role the leadership in business has been demonstrated by good communication and there's been a renewed understanding of how important communications and PR is and the function in-house. What's your take on that as well as we sort of, you know, reflect on the role of PR and comms? Because there was a really slightly snarky article in The Economist last week talking about PR, and it was very looking down on it, you know, a very old-fashioned view of PR, whereas I think all of us at PR Week and yourself and the folks on the power list, they're they're doing something very different from, you know, smiling and dialing and and ringing the media.
2: I'm I going to look up that article and, and I'm going to rebut it because um, nothing could be further from the truth. The the work that we're doing, the work that I love, um, that I love talking about and and trying to teach next generation leaders, is just so um, integral to everything in the business world today. I mean, I even sort of cringe at the topic of do we have a seat at the table because sometimes i feel like i'm you know i'm i'm the table itself some days you know yeah, and just exactly. in the center of it and and loving it and able to have impact and having our views solicited our opinions requested you know this is what we as a community of communicators have been working towards for decades but the time is here and it's it's ours for the taking there's no question that um the best ceos put a big emphasis on this function, they, they give it budget, they give it airtime, they give it prestige in the executive committee, they give it face time in front of the board. Um, I, I just think any CEO who doesn't do that is just really taking an unnecessary risk.
1: Yeah, it's not a case of having the seat now. It's it's actually what do we do now? We now you have that seat, and how do you? It's a hard seat. Yeah, and how do you add value? And how do you do it properly? Right? You, mm-hmm. you you were correct. The industry asked for it, and now now it has it, and it has to uh, step up and really add value, which was what the folks on the Power List are doing, and the people in our PR Week Awards, et cetera. So yeah, it's great stuff, and um, great to talk through your experiences, Sally. And, uh, thank you for joining us, and we'll get on to some topical issues.' love to hear your thoughts on some of these, but Frank, um, we've got a new website
3: talk us through it it's very exciting it's terrific. I can I think anybody that's talked to me over the past week knows I'm just I'm, I'm over the moon with the new website because it um, you know we, we do a lot of different things at PR week as a brand that going you know beyond strictly editorial and beyond content and uh, we offer a lot of events and webcasts and all kinds of things like the powerless big special features and the new website gives us the opportunity to, to feature them all prominently in a way that looks really good. And it's, it's really easy for our readers to find all of the stuff all over the website. So I'm, I'm just thrilled with it. And, um, I think the face look, the, the, the facelift looks good too. I think that, um, all in all, it was, a, a great job by, uh, our web dev team and Byron Kittle, especially, uh, and all of the folks that worked on it. Yeah, real team effort,
1: and Byron especially did a brilliant job. And it's based on a sort of Netflix-style series of carousels so that you can flick through horizontally, and it just helps us elevate all that massive content from the last 20-odd years that uh, you know, we've got there and uh, really helps us to um, elevate that, elevate our partner content as well. And um, it's just a, a very fresh look and feel. It's a new logo as well, which is... Uh, Bit of a nod to our old logo, but very much modernised. So, yeah, good uh, new times. At PR Week, and please let us know what you think. Um, I, love
2: I love the logo. I just want to say I love the logo.
1: Good, yeah, good. I'm glad um, we. I guess it's a little bit back to back to the future. (laughs) So um, but yes, it's uh, an updated logo and fonts and a new website. So uh, we're very uh, proud of that and hope you like it too. And uh, like you said, Frank, it helps us really um, elevate big features like the power list. And uh, what were your sort of observations on this year's list?
3: Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of the list and a big fan, of a lot of the people on the list. And I always like to highlight some of the folks who are on it for the first time, the newcomers, so to speak. Um, but we have Margaret Wenmacher's from Andreessen Horowitz, uh, obviously a company that plays a, a huge role in Silicon Valley, tremendously important. Uh, we have Lori Rodney from change.org. Uh, we have Eileen Zarudo from the Clorox company. We have Musa Tariq from GoFundMe. We have Sunmi Kim from Omnicom PR Group. And it's it, like every year, it's a terrific list. Um, and again, congrats to Sally for being at the top of the list this year. Um, and, you know, we, we're we also highlighting the role that Jen Psaki has played in the number two spot in sort of uh, reorganizing and, and kind of just building the White House press operation from the ground up again um and and really bringing some professionalism back to the uh the briefing room and really getting back to business as usual there so kudos to everybody who's on the list
2: thanks frank i I have to say i think jen saki's addition to the list is brilliant um you know the list matters um people look to it i mean i did growing up in the profession and a lot of people i admire on the list And, and jen just you know her her tone her pitch her professionalism she's an awesome an awesome communicator
1: she isn't she she it's, it's like um you know, politics aside, whatever your politics are, you know there are people on the list from both sides of the aisle, uh, and I'll get into that actually. But uh, she she just is very skilled and adept at uh, her dealings, and she's on top of her brief. So great to see her on the list. But uh, Sally, one thing I noticed, not just this year, but particularly this year, was a lot of people have their background in politics, and to our discussion point earlier about the role of the in-house PR pro there are a lot of similarities and skills that you learn from that political world, aren't there, that that come in really handy when you're in a corporate role.
2: Oh yeah. I mean, learning how to prepare uh, for a hearing um, or a press conference, the things that people in Washington and state capitals do is very, very relevant for the kind of work that you see happening inside companies. Also for myself, you know, I assumed I'd spend my whole career in government. I, I, spent time on Capitol Hill and also in the Clinton administration. But I ultimately chose to make my career in business uh, because I think business is a fantastic place from which you can advocate for change. And a lot of those people with the political backgrounds started in politics because they were, you know, mission driven, purpose oriented people. But I think you can find a great home for those skills inside wonderful companies today.
1: Absolutely. And I think when you were on our podcast the the first time, I think you said something like being a head of comms now is a bit like running a a nonstop political campaign because it's, you know, it's pretty much a 24 seven thing, isn't it? And you're Mm -hmm. constantly sort of putting out fires, but also taking advantage of opportunities to get your messages across.
2: It is. And you really have to live in the hustle and flow of what's happening on a daily basis, which I think I enjoy. And I, I know most of my peers do as well.
1: Yeah, you've got to be agile and you've got to be nimble to be a modern communicator for sure. So, yeah, that's a great list. So do check it out on PRWeek.com. Frank, it's the Olympics next week. And, uh, you know, I love the Olympics. I think it's one of those things that brings the world together in a way that, you know, I think sport can do that um, in a way that not many other things can. But it's going to be a very different Olympics, isn't it? No, no fans by the sounds of it.
3: It, it really is. Um, so, like you just said, no fans. Um, and, and that will... Give it a very awkward, I think, feel for uh, the events themselves. Um, it's it, 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 some parts of the marketing world are, I think, are going to do business as usual. I think the paid advertising. Uh, on NBC uh, is going to look a lot the same uh, as it always has. And our friends and our colleagues at Campaign have reported that NBC has landed its largest ever advertising lineup for the games, you know, despite everything that has gone on a 20% increase uh, just in terms of the number of first time advertisers uh, from the 2016 games. But there are other marketing elements um, like all of the events that are put on by brands or organizations that happen during a massive event like this, or the Super Bowl, or, or any kind of massive event where tens of thousands of people get together, uh, where uh, they are going to take a big hit. And I think one way of looking at this is that we will have an eye on the uh, Q3 uh, earnings reports when they come out and a look at how much this will Im- affect the events agencies. Uh, who were set to work on things at the Tokyo games who did not get to go through with them. Um, So it's interesting in some ways, if you're watching the games at home on television, other than the crowd noise, you might not notice too much difference. And, you know, I think we're all used to, unfortunately, by now watching sports with nobody in the stands. So it, it might just look like another thing from the past year. Uh, but I'm sure if you're there on the ground in Tokyo uh, or if you're working on a brand that had things planned to go live in Japan during the games, it's a very different feel. Some
1: very sad news from MSL. Um, some The chief innovation officer, Brian Peterson, passed away this weekend. Really sad. and He was, was a great innovator in the industry.
3: Yeah, really sad to hear about this and, and to report on. That's uh, um Brian Peterson, the chief innovation officer at MSL, died suddenly over the weekend. He was 40. Um, their CEO, Diana Littman, confirmed the news Monday in a LinkedIn post. And she called him a one-of-a-kind talent. I think that's true. He was definitely well-known. And I, I, I've never had the fortune to meet him personally, but he was really well-known. And he was a big name in the communications technology sector, especially, and innovating there. Um, and really known as, as one of the uh, the best thinkers in that specific space, I think. Uh, so it's terrible news. You know, you're thinking about all his friends and colleagues at MSL and also at the previous agencies that he worked at. Uh, he worked at Fleishman Hillard up until 2019 and Marina Marr and Edelman. So, yeah, thinking about all of those people.
0: Okay, and another um, agency deal this week, Frank. Uh, Finn Partners has acquired an agency in Seattle called Baraka. It's a re- very interesting agency. Tell us about that deal.
3: That's right. And um, Finn Partners, they've been busy. They've been buying up a few different shops. Uh, the latest, Baracus Communications offices in Seattle and Denver. Uh, their principals are Howie Baracus and Carly Baracus. And they're going to both join Finn Partners at Managing Partners uh, and become part of the agency's global tech practice, uh, initially, going to keep their branding. Before they're fully integrated into the firm. Uh, Baraka serves early stage emerging and high growth technology companies nationally across enterprise, B2B, and consumer tech. Um, Interesting to see how a sort of different uh, startup-y tech-focused agency will will mesh with a more established firm like FinPartners here too. So something we'll be keeping an eye on. Uh, last month, Finn Partners also acquired uh, a health technology comps firm called Agency 1022 based in Atlanta. And of course, Finn Partners bought back its minority investment from Stagwell Group, uh, recently as well. So a lot of action happening over there.
0: Yeah, Howie Barocas is an interesting character. If you read some of his blogs, he's got some uh, interesting things to say. He has a very specific view on the PR industry. So uh, they're a tech specialist up in in Seattle. I think he used to be at uh, We Communications back in the day. So it'll be interesting to see how those two cultures mesh for sure. And uh, finally, Frank wouldn't be a podcast without talking about some social media action and some interesting food mashups. And this one's macaroni and cheese and ice cream. So how's, tell us all about that. We're
3: going to have to assign a correspondent to crazy combination food flavors sometime soon if this trend mm-hmm. really yeah. up, because it, it it was a different one every week. Uh, so in this one, ice cream is <laughs> some more appealing than others, we should say. Um, <laughs> ice cream maker Van Leeuwen. Van Leeuwen, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, and Kraft Heinz uh, teamed up to create the limited edition macaroni and cheese flavored ice cream. Uh, I'm a little bit intrigued, but I'm not an official food reviewer, but a little bit intrigued by this one. I'm a little bit skeptical. I don't know how it is, but um goes on sale this Wednesday, which is also national macaroni and cheese days at Van Leeuwen stores uh, across the country and online. Um, one we talked about last week was the airheads fried chicken sandwich, which made a bun out of 100% airheads, extreme candy. I have to say that was a lot less appealing than the ice cream. Um, and we've also seen the may Oreo, uh, trend on social media, but that's not actually a real product, but, um, some people are hoping for a mix of mayonnaise and Oreo cookies. Uh, it was a con- it was a it was a hoax, but um yeah, an, an interesting idea there. So be looking to see what the reaction uh to macaroni and cheese flavored ice cream is.
0: Yeah, Sally. We see a lot of brands having a bit of fun on social with this sort of stuff, and it's just, it's another side of the PR sort of industry—the more marketing-oriented communications. And it's obviously brand by brand, isn't it? But how does Pfizer play in that area? You know, you, you've got to be—you're dealing with some very serious topics, obviously. Can you have some fun on social as well?
2: We do, we do, and. Um... Ever more so I think we're not, you know, uh, fearful or over worried about the the lawyers and the regulators. We know the rules, we play by the rules, but we could still, you know, have some some fun and lighthearted moments. I think it's it's really important in humanizing the company.
0: Yeah. Do you fancy the sound of macaroni and cheese ice cream? <laughs>
2: Well, I like them individually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm, I'm contemplating. One. I'm contemplating the the combination.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's good. it's fun and it, it's funny because the brands can start. You know. Uh, playing with each other, you know, on on social, and again, just like Mayo and Oreos did, so um, uh, you see some really interesting things, and you see some big mistakes made as well. So you have to be careful about how you do this stuff, but it's uh, it's always interesting to see uh, how uh, how it's done. Listen, thank you, Sally, so much for joining us, and uh, congrats again on being named to number one on the Power List and um, being a great representative for the industry. You know, it's been uh, it's always great to chat to you and get your insights.
2: Thanks for having me. Love being with you and Frank. And again, I am honored and I'm humbled and just happy to be with you.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Sally. And good luck with all the remaining work and with the booster shots and rolling out uh, the, all those hundreds of millions of doses around the world because it's so, such important work. Um, Frank, so, for, thanks for joining us. And uh, yeah, another busy week of PR Week. So thanks, for, thanks for all the work you do and the rest of the team.
3: Yeah, it's always a pleasure.
0: Um, Just uh, a quick note at the end. We're we're going back to in-person events, finally, and that's the plan in October. So we're going to have our Purpose Awards on the 13th of October. They're going to be in New York City. That's part of our PR Decoded conference, which will still be virtual, and that's from the 12th to the 14th. And then we will have our 40 Under 40 event on the 28th of October in person as well. So that's good news, and something to look forward to. It would be great to see you all again and uh, finally get out there and meet people. But uh, for now, that's all we've got time for. We'll see you next time on the PR Week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the PR Week. To find more episodes, visit PRWeek.com.